The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 1. Writing for Star Trek is an exercise in agony, circa 1967. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, all you... Star Trek fans, all you history buffs, boy, do we have a special one. We have a special one for you this week on so many levels. Excuse me, it's not that we have the door open to the studio this week. That's the ambient noise you're hearing from Star Trek Las Vegas. Yes, for the first time in history, we are starting off season nine early episodes live, live from Star Trek Las Vegas. And not only that, we have such an amazing guest for you today, but hey, if you're a veteran, you're back with us. Yes, I know all you Trekophiles spell with an F. You canonistas, I say that lovingly. The whole gang, I know you know, to go to the Facebook page, find the documents of the week this week, because you want to follow along, and you want to follow along what my guest is going to say. So hey, as usual, they're there for you to find at facebook.com slash the Trekfiles. Here's a short audio sample, but you want to hang around and be with me for this week's special guest. Gene Kuhn said he and executive producer Gene Roddenberry have created an extremely detailed writer's and director's guide in which they have incorporated all the devices and techniques and gadgets and what is possible and what is not possible, which they give to all writers and directors. All right, Trekophiles, spelled with an F. Now, some of you who have been with us from the beginning, or you actually do go mine the catalog, know that we looked at this press release early in the first season. We talked about it as people who have studied Gene Kuhn, but you know, we lost Gene Kuhn so early. He was even before the big convention boom of the 70s, much less he died in 1973, lung cancer. Uh, But he'd had so much to do with seminal Star Trek and everything today, of course, the DNA is right there in the original series in all kinds of ways. It's really hard to find anyone to talk about Gene Kuhn. I've known two or three people in my time today we're going to be talking to a person <laughs> who not only had an, uh, her own awesome life, but yes, was right there hip to hip with Gene Kuhn in the beginning. We're going to look at this document again from her eyes. I am so thrilled to have with us an amazing woman. And among many titles in her resume, she was, yes, Gene Kuhn's executive assistant during and after Star Trek until the end of his short career. She's now got a book about those years and her amazing life. It's coming. I'm going to shut up. I am so thrilled to have with us today, Andrea Richardson, Kindred. Andy, it's so great to have you on the Trek Files. I am loving being here. Thank you. (laughs) Because it's been an awesome weekend. We had a great um, hour on stage. Yeah, we did. Because you've been hiding out in Australia for 50 years. I haven't been hiding. I've been living the life. I've been living the life. You guys have been hiding out here. (laughs) But this, I'm so excited you're working on a book. Mm-hmm. We've been talking back and forth for a few years, so I'm glad to have you on the Trek Files. I found that, you know, the Trek Files is all about finding interesting documents in Gene Roddenberry, in the birds' file boxes. Yeah. So we were looking at this press release. Yeah. First of all, I mean, we could talk all day. We almost have about how you and you came into uh, Desi Lu after the Watts uprising. You said you credit Lucy with. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only that, but she had her house built by one of the foremost 
African-American architects. Oh, okay. So you're always throwing those new stuff at me. So you were one of the, the, they were wanting to broaden the face of Desilu after all that. And you came, you were, you were a floater. You went around the Desilu studios. You I said. was the pool. You were the pool. Yes. <laughs> and I floated all over the, all three lots. So I went wherever I was needed. Coanga, Gower, uh, Culver, Culver City. City. Yeah. I was there. Whatever the department, it might have been a bit more boring in payroll than it was in uh, casting, but mm-hmm. hey, I went all those places, which gave me a really good view of making television in those days. Well, and you were a young black woman trying to pioneer. You had a background in radio business. I had a background. Yeah. I'd worked for major radio stations mm-hmm. in uh, Chicago and in New York, and I had sort of studied it at City College. But then I got distracted by the civil rights movement, and I moved on. Well, the civil rights movement was very distracting for a lot of... You were distracted for a good reason, because you wanted to make a change. Yes. You wanted to jump in and, and do that. Found your way to Desilu. You were the... I love the bit for... At times, you, were, you had your finger on the button at the Gower door. <laughs> I was the ruler of the button. You had to come to my desk, and you had to sign in, and I had to make sure you were on the list. Yes. And if yeah. you were on the list... I'd have to find a verification before I would let you in. Except for Harlan Ellison. When Harlan came in the door, he was running already. And I knew once again, Harlan was late. And so I'd keep my finger sort of hovering over the button, but not pushing it because it made a loud noise when it got released. And he didn't know when he reached his hand out if the door would be open or not. (laughs) But who took you away from all of that? A guy. A middle-aged guy, I thought he was an old guy, named Kuhn, <laughs> which for a young African-American militant feminist, that wasn't really the place you thought you wanted to go. But then I didn't yeah. take his name that seriously because it came with a pay rise and some really good company and a place I wanted to be. So I just took my chances that nobody would ever open their mouth and say, oh, Kuhn's Kuhn. Yeah. But they did. That's been misquoted and been an infamous bit over the years. It was, a, yeah, yeah. Let's, so we, we, uh, Back to the file. I want to, back to the file. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's all, it's all about Gene Kuhn, because you're someone here that can talk about that. What did he say, what did he tell you when he said, I want you to work for me? I mean, how did that happen? Oh, it's only because I had great legs. <laughs> and short skirts. Oh. I got a memo that said, Many skirts are not appropriate for work. But Nichelle Nichols wrote in her book that I had legs Tina Turner would envy, so I thought it was very appropriate for work. And it got me the job. Now, see, this is, we think about Gene Kuhn doing all these pioneering aspects and fitting into the Star Trek mindset that Gene, that, that you call Gene Roddenberry. What do you call him? The great bird of the galaxy. As opposed to, when you say Gene, you mean... Gene Kuhn. Right. Just so we're clear there yeah. for everybody. Right. I didn't have to say that word all the time. I can just say Gene. And he was your Gene. And he was my Gene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other guy was the boss, too, I guess. Yeah. So we were looking at this press release. So this is like a studio press release where they've interviewed, I'm air quoting, mm-hmm. Gene Kuhn. And I was just curious, since you were there and you know exactly how, 
Does this sound like it's made up PREs, or does no, this actually no. sound like they talk? It to sounds you? like they talk to Jane, because that was one of the things about that the so many people got wrong saying that uh, why he left. I think he left just because it was so hard and painful having to deal with all. Okay, you have an experienced writer, but they don't know Star Trek world. You have an experienced science fiction writer. They're used to making their own world, but they have to conform to Star Trek world. And then, because they couldn't possibly get it all right, you have to rewrite them. And sometimes it goes to arbitration. And when it goes to arbitration, it's painful because you don't want credit. You don't want the money. You just want the, the good script. And so you had to do it, but mm -hmm. the writer is now pissed off at you for what you did to his script or Basically, her script. Basically, it's what to, today we call the showrunner. It's all of that. He'd love yeah. to just be able to write, which he yeah. did so well. Yeah. But he, it was all that, the administrative. He had to do all of that. Over. Yeah. Well, so how he came to Star Trek with Miri, very like midway through the first season, uh, before the show was on the air, right? Mm -hmm. They start in the spring and summer. How soon into his... His time on the show, did you join him? I don't know. Like in the beginning? I need an assistant. I got to go find somebody. I mean... I think so. It was pretty early on. Those, those things I sometimes don't recall so easily. I'm, oh. only, I'm, I'm 83. You know, and sometimes some things stick out more than others. Well, he there's a quote in here where he says... Um, he's talking about how hard it is to write Star Trek. What you just said, you get sci-fi people who have to conform to a TV script. You get TV writers that have to blow their brains open to, to accept a sci-fi concept. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he, Gene Ron, the bird, started and, off doing that, and he wore out. He needed a right-hand man. And then you right. got the network, who says, come on, we want some more uh, teasers that are not on the, on the, on the, in the bridge of the Enterprise. We want to be on some great planet somewhere with interesting things happening, which all cost a lot of money, and their budget wasn't that strong. Or then you have research saying, I'm sorry, but that's not possible. That's not technically possible. That couldn't happen. And, and you've got to go between what's exciting and fun and what's actually scientifically possible. Yeah. It's all those ways you're pulled and trying to have something the audience is going to like and the ratings are going to be. Well, so they're quoting Gene saying, I don't know what we're just saying. I don't know whether the writers don't read it or whether they're talking about the, the uh, Bible, the story mm -hmm. guide, which was kind of historic, mm -hmm. Star Trek doing that, because it was mm -hmm. so complicated. It wasn't just another yeah. cop show, drama show, medical show. You had to be in the 23rd century. And they put all that effort into the right, the famous writer's guide that fans have loved to quote from for years. But I he's saying it was really for the writers to know. And he's saying, I don't know if they ever read it, because we're certainly having to to rewrite them, but I love this phrase. It becomes an exercise in agony. Does that say, that's what? Yes, and he understood that. Now, I, I'm trying to remember, I, I think that the writer's guide did mention cannabis, and uh, Gene never smoked. Oh, okay, but now Gene but he Kuhn did has- like uppers. I was gonna say, he has this notorious reputation for being one of the fastest typers writers in Hollywood. And, and um, amphetamine can help you do that. Actually, whenever I go out and score the amphetamines for him from my local doctor, who looked after a lot of people in Hollywood and industry, um, he'd always share a few with me. And I was never so slim. Huh. Now, you're so, now you're sounding like, sadly, Grace Lee Whitney, who oh. was the same way. She was, yeah. they were under a lot of pressure 
yeah. to be the female ideal and was doing, I think, amphetamines for well, some. Well, I mean, Bird would insist on costumes for women with great bodies that showed as much of them as they could get past the continu mm -hmm. continuity people mm -hmm. at the network. But one of the things he would do is he would have them come to his office to show off the new outfit, which meant women had to get dressed in Bill Tice's office, walk down one street, down another, and then around to the next one to get to Gene Roddenberry's office. Listen, we just barely scratched the surface talking about Gene Kuhn. Um, and there's and you knew everybody, but you were there. You were Bob Justman's down the hall. Well, we haven't talked about Michelle. Would you believe we're almost out of time for one episode? Can you please yes. come back for one more episode and talk some Absolutely, more? Absolutely, Larry. My pleasure. Uh, Andy, did we have barely... We I love seeing the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't mentioned your book also is on its way. Yes. What's it called? At the moment, I, I, I'm for the for the convention, I've made a special version mm -hmm. of only 250 And it'll copies. only be on sale here. But the, uh, the big one is coming with your entire life in it. Yes. And no, not my entire life. 19, my family history and 1964 to 1975. Okay. All right. Okay. And that's then called? From Slavery to Star Trek is my here right. book. Right. And that one is Code Switching. The big book of yeah, code switching. Code switching. And when's the due date for it? Uh, November. Okay, okay. We'll talk more about that when you come back and see us, okay? All right. Thanks, okay. Larry. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Hey, all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me, at LarryNimichek.com. That's where you can link in for all the new Trek file swag and shirts, too, at our Tee Public shop, too. Hey, Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.